0: From the United Nations in Bonn, I am Leonie Beck and I'm Monja Sauvagea and we are the hosts of Inside UN Bonn, your podcast about the people and stories behind the United Nations in Bonn.
1: Have you ever wondered what the inside of the UN campus in Bonn looks like? Every day, joggers and bikers pass by you Bonn on a promenade along the Rhine and glance over to the campus with curiosity lately they may have noticed that there is a construction site on our campus and that's because it's growing in this episode we're going to focus on the buildings that house the 25 UN entities in Bonn let me tell you if walls could talk these buildings would have some really interesting stories to tell that's because most of them have quite historical significance that's
0: right, beginning with Haus Kastanien. Especially after 1996, numerous UN entities settled in Bonn and were located there. Haus Kastanien is actually a small castle in the neighborhood of Bad Godesberg and is really pretty. Imagine having an office in a castle. In the year 2000, the German government decided to bring together the UN entities which focus on environment and sustainability in one central location. So they made the so-called Lange Eugen available to the UN, which was part of the nation's former parliament building. The Lange Eugen was built between 1966 and 1969 and it's the second tallest building in Bonn today. Back in the 1960s, it was even the second tallest building in Germany, but it has since moved a few places back to place 43 on the list of the tallest buildings in Germany.
1: We're actually on the 20th floor of the Lange Eugen right now, and the view from up here is just incredible. You're probably wondering why it's called the Lange Eugen, though. Well, Lange Eugen means the tall Eugene. The name is an ironic reference to the short stature of Eugen Gassenmeier, who was the president of the German parliament when the tower was built, and he was a driving force behind its construction. That's German humor for you. The architect of the building was Egon Eiermann, one of Germany's most prominent architects in the second half of the 20th century. For the first time in a high-rise building of this height, the Lange Eugen is an interplay of huge glass surfaces, steel sheet claddings and teak wood. A few years ago, the plaid carpet, exemplary of the 1960s, had to be replaced. Because the building is protected as a historic monument, an original pattern had to be made by a special Scottish weaving team.
0: Right next to the Lange Eugen are the Old waterworks and the Bundeshaus, two buildings that are historically very relevant. The pump house was home to the plenary chamber of the German Bundestag from 1986 to 1992. It dates back to the end of the 19th century and used to serve the city's water supply. The Bundeshaus served as a provisional parliament house for the Federal Republic of Germany from 1949 to 1999.
1: Today, the southern part of the building is the headquarters of UN climate change. And soon, the UN campus will get a new building. It will actually be the first one to be built specifically for the UN campus, as all the other buildings we work in already existed before the UN organizations moved here. So it is quite special and will be quite modern compared to the other buildings. It is a tower which is 65 meters high and is located right on the banks of the Rhine. Its construction began in 2016. On its 17 stories, the building will provide 330 additional offices to UN staff members. Today, we're talking to the architect of the new building, Stefan Lippert. Mr. Lippert, it's very nice that you could join us in Bonn today.
2: Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure.
1: Of course. You came all the way from Berlin. Did you visit the construction site today?
2: In fact, I'm uh, three days on the building site this week, and this is the second day this week. And tomorrow we will look at the first furnitures, which will be set up in the foyer and the uh, communicational areas in the office floors.
1: Okay, great. And how is the building process going?
2: It's going well. We're approaching the end. Of course, it's not completely finished yet. There are bits and pieces that have to be fixed. Maybe you know that when you once renovated a flat yourself, it's not different in the professional life. But everybody's doing his best to get the job done now. And especially in the landscaping architecture, there's still stuff to do, which was simply not possible until now because there were still containers standing And, of course, all the technology inside the building needs to be adjusted and fine-tuned, which takes time and patience, but we're on the way.
0: To decide who would construct the new building, the German Federal Office for Building and Regional Planning actually organized a contest, and you won. What motivated you to enter the contest?
2: The main reason was that it was an open competition, and the second main reason was that it was from the very beginning obvious that it's a super interesting commission. A modern, sustainable office building on a very, very interesting location in the heart of Bonn, in the old government quarter. Of course, you can't miss out on such a chance. And at that time, I was busy setting up my own architectural practice. And of course, to get commissions, you're looking at tenders and competitions. Of course, it was something that you would not want to have
0: missed. I'm sure that as an architect, it is one's goal to build an iconic building such as this one. What was it like for you when you found out that your project was chosen?
2: <laughs> I think most architects, me included, we're also happy with doing normal stuff that is not necessarily iconic. And if it's really iconic, it's that's really not up to me to call. But when I got the call that our Entry was the first place in this competition that was a massive surprise. We were really, really, really happy and it was just an awesome feeling. It was an open competition within the beginning, I think 80 entries. And then there was a second stage where 16 other architects got promoted to the second stage. And yeah, finally winning in a field of 80 with an architectural practice that you've just set up was just amazing. It was great.
0: That's nice. Can you explain to us why your design was chosen?
2: Why was the design chosen? I think there were four main reasons. Two of them, I guess, are in the field of the urban uh, design. You can look at it from the perspective of the campus, which is this historic site that we just mentioned. That was clear to us that we have to find a solution that fits in nicely on this site. And what we were looking for, actually, to make a very small building... And it was obvious that we cannot put this building on the campus, but the campus green must be maintained. And we found this gap between the Wasserwerk and the old Bundestag by Günter Benisch. And we thought we have to design a building that fits in this gap so the campus green can be maintained. And the logical consequence out of the program was that the building, as it has a small footprint, will be a little bit higher than the others. So we came up with this tiny high rise. And I guess that was an important reason, that we maintain the campus and have this simple urban setup where our small building fits in the gap between the other buildings along the River Rhine. And therefore, we continue this urban image of the campus. The other reason is also from an urban point of view that this uh, small tower... Together with the Lange Eugen and together with the Post Tower, they form like a group of three buildings, a small one, a middle-sized one and a very big one, which just delivers a nice and harmonic image of this campus when you approach it from the city. The third reason I think also has to do with the historic site that we chose to have a very modest and clean building, not too flashy from the outside, and therefore I guess we respected the historic buildings and the famous neighbors. Yeah, so altogether it's three reasons, not four.
0: (laughs) (laughs) From the outside, the building looks very modern with a glass facade. However, because the construction is still going on, neither Leonie nor I have visited the inside of the building yet. Can you describe to us what it looks like on the inside?
2: On the inside, the concept of the design continues in a way that it's a very neutral, flexible, sober and functional office building with efficient floor plans. But of course, you also have to offer something to the people. And if you think of a modern communicative working environment, we are aware that the tower is not the first choice you would have to do. So in the interior design, we put some emphasis on a very communicative design and we incorporated a couple of features to improve communication within the floors and in between floors. So, for instance, not everybody has his own single person office or double person office. There are also open plan offices, which mix with single and double rooms. We have open communication and collaboration spaces. One of them is uh, centered around the kitchen, which is on every floor. So, there is also an opportunity to have your lunch together on each floor. And we have the winter gardens, which are also communicative spaces, and they even link two floors. So the interior design focused on open flowing spaces and to improve communication within the building. And of course, at one point, then you have to set a counterpoint or put in some contrast to the sober and neutral exterior of the building. So we brought in some color. For instance, the office floor is a carpet where we chose a very beautiful green. You're basically sitting on a lawn, on a green lawn, which gives you a very cool feeling. And especially when you look out of the window, you get the idea that the green surrounding of the River Rhine and, and the Siebengebirge it just flows through your building and the green carpet continues. And yeah, we also sprinkled in another color contrast, which is orange. And there is a vertical service core that runs throughout the entire building from ground floor until the top floor. That adds another very strong but not too flashy color contrast. And altogether, I guess, it's a balanced design of a neutral and flexible office space, which is spatially very interesting, which is open to support the communication. And the color aspect or the color scheme is aimed also to put a smile on your face. It's not just a sober and flexible and neutral building. It should also be a building that puts a smile in your face. And I think this color scheme does the job until now quite well.
0: That sounds really, really nice. You've already mentioned that the floors will actually look different as you've created different layouts. So some floors will have individual offices, whereas others have open floor plans. What was the idea behind this? The
2: idea was to create a layout that supports communication in between people. And in every floor offers different types of spaces. So everybody finds a place where he feels comfortable and just uh, to give some variation and also... Show the flexibility because one feature of the building is that you can change the layout of the floor plans as well in a very flexible way. At the same time, as offering a lot of variety of spaces and spatial qualities, it also shows you what you can do with the building.
1: This podcast tries to tell the stories of very different people who make the work of the United Nations possible. So, our audience is very diverse as well. Could you tell us a bit more about your background and what made you want to become an architect?
2: I was born and raised in Kempton in Allgäu, which is pretty down south. My dad was an electrical engineer, so I grew up in a household where yeah, technology was always around. So from the beginning, we always had books about technology and engineering in the house, and I found that very fascinating, even though, of course, I didn't understand a lot about it. And about architecture, I found very interesting that you can combine that technical and engineering approach with design and functional aspects and just coming up with schemes for something. And that at the end ends up in the idea to become an architect. And I went on to study that at the University of Applied Sciences in Koblenz, just a few kilometers down the Rhine from here. I uh, did an exchange here at the University of Hull in Great Britain. When I finished my studies in 2000, the job market in Germany didn't look too cool. So I decided to work abroad abroad just for a year, like to get started in the job. And I decided to go to the Netherlands. I found a job in Amsterdam. And out of this one year, then became 10 years where I lived and worked in Amsterdam. And that was a very big impact on me because this was always a very international thing that was incredibly creative atmosphere. And of course, the Dutch, they always have just this right mixture of a pragmatic approach, but at the same time, a very designy approach to things. And I felt really well there and after 10 years I decided that it's time to go back and I moved to Berlin in 2010 where I then also worked in a German office but quickly decided that I should try and set up my own practice.
1: And what does a normal day in the life of an architect look like? Or do you even have a normal day?
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, one of the really nice things is that not one day is the same. So I started this project in the winter of 2012, beginning of 2013. That was the first design sketches Mm -hmm. for the first phase of the competition. And since then, not one day it was the same. And every day you learn something new or you are confronted with new challenges that you have to solve. So the normal day, you can put it in a negative way and then you wait until somebody calls and complains and then you solve the complaint. (laughs) (laughs) And in the positive way, of course, it's a lot of communicating, a lot of incorporating the work of an awful lot of people which are busy with such a project, engineers, clients, other designers, advisors. It's a lot of communication and incorporating their work into your work and, and iterating. Rating and refining your design until it's uh, ready to get built.
1: The UN campus is quite a historic place for Germany. As an architect, how did you make sure to design a building that would meet the requirements and fit in with the other buildings on the campus?
2: Yeah, there I would come back to what I said about uh, why the design was chosen. The historic site, Yeah, it was clear that we have to react to that and find a solution to fit the building on, on the campus, which we achieved by choosing this extremely small footprint and then accommodate the program in the height, 21 floors, because the building also has three floors underground. Yes, and apart from that, it was reading the program well, but also a lot of communication with the client and the user. So our clients set up a lot of meetings with the United Nations. We talked to people of the UNFCCC and also to the UNV. We talked about what do they expect from their offices, what is the stuff that they want and need, and had uh, in the beginning of the design phase several meetings where we had these talks where we presented the state of our work so to make sure that everybody is happy what comes out of it.
1: As the new building will house our colleagues from UN Climate Change, it was especially important to the German Federal Office for Building and Regional Planning to make this building entirely in the sense of climate protection. Can you tell us more about the sustainability aspects of the building?
2: How much time do we have? Two days? (laughs) Uh, This is an extremely wide field and sustainability was one of the most important factors in designing and building this building. It was yeah, our prime directive from day one until now. As we are in Germany, or as it is common these days, sustainability is also rated in sustainability scoring systems, which usually work that you set up a row or a series of criteria and you get scores on how well you achieve them. And the German government rates its building in the so called BNB system. And there are, I think, almost 40 criteria where you get scores from. A lot of criteria from the field of energy, where I can talk a little bit more about, but also criteria of the field of technical qualities or other aspects that touch sustainable features of a building. One example, for instance, is the bicycle comfort. And in our case, we make sure that there are a, enough bicycle stands, that they are in a way that people don't hate using them, which means they have a wider distance between the racks, they are covered. And we provide facilities inside the building where you have an opportunity to dry your wet clothes, for instance, but also have a shower Mm -hmm. just to support the use of bicycles. That is an example out of the field of these qualities. An example for the technical qualities is, for instance, the flexibility that I mentioned before. You can arrange all the floor plans in a different way just to make sure the building also can still be up to date in 10 to 20 years, where, where you have probably different ideas how an office should look like course the big thing about the sustainability is still the consumption of energy over over the course of the entire life cycle and what we did here is that for heating and cooling of the building we use groundwater so we have a groundwater well and a heat pump and the water has a temperature and our system where we actually use the concrete floors as a radiator for heat and, and cold. The groundwater allows us we just use this water without an extra need to cool this down. The system is called a free cooling, so we're just pumping the groundwater through the concrete ceilings and they work as a radiator to cool down the building without the need of extra cooling technology or, or a traditional air conditioning.
1: And what other sustainability features does a building have?
2: What other sustainability criteria, for instance, is the individual influence? of uh, users on on their room. Uh, What we did in this building is that every room has at least one flap in the facade that can be opened like a traditional window, so you get uh, air and a sense of the outside world in your room. Um, And our smart building technology makes sure that, in this case, uh, uh, extra ventilation or extra heating will be uh, turned off to make sure there is no energy wasted. Normally the rooms are automatically controlled also with the exterior sun shading to make sure there's not too much solar radiation in the room. The automatic control also reacts to the angle of the sun, so only a part of the building is shaded where it is necessary. But in any case you have the option to individually control sun shading as well as lighting and heating and cooling, which normally runs fully automatic.
1: What are the benefits of having plants as an integral part of the building?
2: Plans in the building, we have a green roof and we have uh, a green walls on the interior. The green roof is also in, in building technology and in the world of sustainability, a uh, accepted means of improve the sustainability. It has a row of advantages. For instance, what it does is buffer the rainwater. So if there is a heavy rain, a lot of the water is buffered in these green roofs, which reduces the risk of flooding on, on the ground. But also a green roof helps to improve the microclimate around a building as it cuts down the reflection of the solar radiation and reduces heating up the area around the buildings. And it gives back a little bit of the green space that you take away by building. So there is also a microclimate of plants and animals that live there. In our case, of course, we have a green roof now at 65 meters, which some people say is not that effective anymore, especially when you consider that this roof is ...quite small compared to the size of the building. But I still believe that the positive effects are there. The other greenery we have in the building is green walls on the inside. So we have plant walls and we have a very nice feature which is called plant wires... ...hanging columns full of plants in the winter gardens and in the foyer. The effect of this greenery on the interior until now is not really accountable... ...in the scoring concept of these sustainability programs... But the effects are also clear. The plant walls, they damp the noise. They help reducing the noise. They help filtering the air, dust and smell and things like that. They make sure that the air in the building is not getting too dry, so they add a little bit of humidity. And at the end, and probably not really to be scored in any system on the world, it's just the facial quality of such a wall, which makes it simply a beautiful feature and, and makes a beautiful space.
1: Yeah, I'm sure the UN climate change colleagues, at least the ones I know, are all lovers of plants. So I think they'll really appreciate that.
0: And apart from sustainability, art will be an important component of the new UN building as well. What kind of projects are planned?
1: With
2: this uh, extension of the UN campus and the new building, there are three uh, artworks included. One of them is in the landscape. I don't know too much about that one. Two of them are incorporated in the building, so I can tell you about those. There were uh, competitions among artists, and two works were chosen. One of them is on first floor, which is still part of the part of the building that we call the public part. It's basically the foyer, and on first floor there's also the conference room, so a lot more people will see it than if it would be on the office floors. And the piece is by a Berlin-based artist called Gloria zain The piece is called Run. And it's really cool. It's a little bit on the intersection of art and technology, so it's put together from old-fashioned analog, you know, these things where the letters are printed on thin pieces of metal and they fold oh, yeah. and flip when the display changes and distinct noise, making something like... T- <laughs> <laughs> and these analog displays, they were retrieved from the airport in Cologne when they switched to digital displays, whatever. And in this artwork run by Gloria Zein, they are combined with motion sensors. So depending on how much people are around on first floor in front of this conference room, these things change and they display mysterious and cryptic messages and combinations of numbers and letters. So what I found so great about it is that it's a very technological thing But it has a certain ironic distance to numbers and digits and I'm looking forward to see it when there are a lot of people around it and these things go along, make
1: sounds really cool.
2: As I mentioned before, the building has four winter gardens. In each corner of the building and the winter garden that is on the 14th and 15th floor, which is the winter garden that is most close to the top of the building, is fully dedicated to a artwork. There we have an installation, a spatial installation that is fully integrated into the building. Also by Berlin-based artists called Anna Borgmann and Candy Lenk. Borgmann Lenk is the name under which they are busy. And they transformed this space into something really special. The work is called Scene with Four Fragments and what it does, it covers the entire room with a reflective mirror ceiling and mirror walls and in the middle of the room there is a large cloud of light hanging and on the floor you have those four fragments which are pieces of concrete and if I remember the description of the artists right these pieces, they are looking for their function and nobody knows what they are good for and until these pieces found out what their purpose is we can use them to sit on. But the great thing about this uh, room is that this cloud gets reflected in these mirror walls and ceiling. It grows four times in size and the mirrors also reflect the outside of the city of Bonn and the sky and and you enter this room and suddenly you're in a completely different world as if you would fly in the sky within a cloud and you're just standing there with your mouth open. You think oh my god what happened and I can not tell you a lot about the meaning of this piece of art but Yeah, of course, you have these associations with the weather, with the clouds, a world without borders. It's a great piece.
1: That also sounds really cool, actually.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Especially when the windows of the winter gardens open. That, of course, enhances the sensation because you get the air and a little bit of the wind and the temperature of the outside and you feel even more as if you would fly in the sky.
0: That sounds super cool. I'm very excited to see this. You also made sure that the building is inclusive. What are some of the features of the building to ensure that it is easily accessible for everyone?
2: We have a plenty of features. Accessibility is also a criteria out of the sustainability scorecard. And of course, all over the building, we do the basic stuff of having the doors, which are wide enough, having corridors, which are wide enough, having every floor accessible via lift and having no further obstacles on the floors. We have also extended features like an accessible toilet on every office floor, not just in the foyer level. We're going a little bit further with introducing a tactile signage on all general rooms, on the door sign and in the ground floor and first floor, which is the part that we sometimes refer to as the public area. Uh, We also have a tactile guidance system in the floor. This is supported by the color concept, which puts uh, a lot of effort in making contrasts you find your way for instance to the lift hall more easily or in rooms i can give you an example in the toilets we made sure that all the white sanitary objects are in front of a colored wall so there is a strong contrast and you can recognize stuff better when your vision is constrained and we will get a so-called tactile model of this public area of the ground floor and first floor where people when they come in and then your vision is constrained you can touch this model and you get an idea of the space and the location of the functions inside this foyer. The other feature to mention is that we also incorporated a escape concept in case of emergency for disabled people to reduce the dependence of disabled people in the case of emergency. And for instance, one feature is that on every office floor you can escape by yourself into a safe room, which is the room in front of the fire elevator, and to make sure the automatic door also works when there is no electricity in the building anymore. The engine of this door has a battery buffer, so you can also use the automatic door in case of emergency, and we hope that this never happens.
0: If you had to name one favorite thing about the new building, what would it be?
2: The winter gardens. They are something really special. Function-wise, they are a part of this communicative area, so they can be used for your coffee break, they can be used for informal meetings. They can be used as a collaborative space. You know, these days we don't need to work on our desks all the time. You can also grab a laptop and work somewhere else. They're also very suitable for something like this. And they are designed in a way that they are not really interior spaces, but also not really exterior spaces. There is something in between. Their glass facade can be open completely. So when the weather and the temperature and the wind is right, they will open when you're sitting inside of an outside garden just not on ground floor but uh, yeah maybe on 12th floor with a few on the Langer Eugen or you're sitting on fourth floor and you feel like you're sitting in a treehouse above the river Rhine which makes them really special spaces they have these interior green walls as a spatial feature they have very cozy furniture and to make these spaces happen that was one of the most interesting collaborations on the entire project between uh, designing the facade but also making the technology happen and we worked together with a industrial aerodynamics dude from the University of Aachen, and he gave us advice on how to create a system that measures the wind speed on each floor, on each winter garden, and he gave us advice to create a software that, from that information, derives the wind speed, the wind direction, and together with the outside temperature, the system decides which windows open and which windows close, so it can happen that, for instance, on the west side of the building, on 12th floor, the windows are closed and on the east side of the building, on 4th floor, the windows are still open. This makes them incredibly special places and it was a very interesting collaboration. The people of the companies which coded the software at the end, the engineers which helped design the facade and the company that built the facade to make sure that the, you get this feeling of an outside space, which in times can be inside This is something really amazing. And what interested me, of course, with my background is here we get a space which has an incredible design quality, a spatial quality, but also is an incredible, interesting and fascinating piece of technology.
0: The people who will work in the new building are staff members of UN Climate Change. And arguably, their work is extremely important right now. How does it feel to know that the work that will be done in the building you've built will be vital for the future to our entire planet?
2: That's of course simply great. Often you cannot choose your client which will use your building and in that case of course it is great to be able to communicate to the user and find out what their desires are and of course to know that they're doing really important work. We really hope that the building suits the desires and helps to contribute.
0: The building will be inaugurated in 2022. Are you looking forward to seeing people start working there?
2: Yes, definitely. As I said, I started in the winter of 2012, 2013, and we've come a long way, and just to see that it finally gets used, I guess will be cool. The only the downside, of course, is that I can't hang out that often anymore, then I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's probably true, but you're still welcome to visit the campus anytime. <laughs> okay, And We'll be happy when you do come to visit. Thank you so much, Mr. Lippert, for joining us. It was a pleasure to have you on the podcast.
2: Thank you very much. It was great fun.
1: If you do want to see the new building and you happen to be in Bonn, make sure to look out for it on the Bonn skyline.
0: Thank you for listening to Inside UN Bonn. The music is by Tim Moore and the design and visualizations of the podcast were done by me, Monia Sauvager. Thank you to the German Ministry of Foreign Affairs for their generous financial support in making this podcast happen. We will be back soon with more human stories from the people behind UN Bonn.
1: To find out more about UNBON's 25th anniversary and the stories behind UNBON, please visit www.unbon.org. On Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, we are at UNBON. Please take the time to review us because it does make a difference. Until next time,